everyone. Hello and welcome to Profession Obsession, a podcast where I have the opportunity to get to know all about a career that interests me and I get the chance to be totally obsessed. Um, okay, so let's get real. Okay, I'm just going to get real right off the jump. The guest we have today is totally family. Um, she's not a blood relative, but might as well be. Okay. <laughs> Might as well be. Today on the podcast, it is my pleasure to announce we have Emily Thompson. Okay. Hi, Emily. How are you doing this morning? Hey, Brody Murray. I'm doing so good, you know, here in Chicago. I'm so happy to be here. So thanks for having me. Yes. And thanks for calling me family. (laughs) But you know, you are. You really are family. Absolutely. And, you know, I think I say you're like family because you are someone I can, um, rely on to remind me of the past and like special moments uh you know because I'm getting up there in age I am older than you so I can say that uh can and... we just like for the listeners though okay here's the thing he's we're basically like, the same he's like less than six months older than me okay I the way know. our birthdays fell because even some more context we went uh-huh. to high school together yeah he was a year ahead of me but uh-huh. seriously like <laughs> We should have been in the same class. It's weird how it's like, if you're, you know, separated in the summer, you're a different, it's just like so weird. We were the same age. Okay. We're both born in 90. Yes. We're both 90s babies. Brody's February. I'm October. So, okay. You understand. Yeah. So different. Yeah. 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 Um, But so, yeah. So I can't remember anything most of the time. So it's nice because, you know, you need people in your life who can recall those past memories and really remind you of how far you've come in this life. You know, you do need those people. And you are one of those people because everyone, she has one of the best, most awkward, weird memories I have ever encountered in my life. You remember things from like random days. I was going to say, I'm going to remind you of things that, like, you don't want to be reminded of. But, yeah, like, well, yeah, I'm there too. to, like, help you remember. <laughs> that, yeah, that too. That too. You know, memories, good, bad. Otherwise, <laughs> I don't know. But, yes, you recall things like I have never. Like, I, I remember like, a fly on your sh- shoulder at, like, senior year lunch one time. Like, just the most random memories. Yeah, oh for my sure. God. That's me. Oh, but yeah, you know, so you need those people in your life. And I'm so happy that you're one of those people in my life, for sure. You Uh, know, I'm I'm happy I'm one of uh, those people in your life as well. I think as we grow older into different stages of lives, our lives, you know, individually, it's nice to have people from this, like, beginning stage that can really ground you, but, like, also ground you as you grow. You know what I mean? And I think very much it's great to have a relationship like that where we can keep coming back to each other to feel that groundedness, to feel um, like a centering, but like also like a great home feeling, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Cause I feel like you provide so much of that home feeling to me as well. Like I know when we were, when we first logged on today, we were talking about the weather and how it's, uh-huh. it's gloomy here in Chicago and you're in Florida, but you said, like you said, you had our hometown in Chicago on your phone. And like, those are my hometowns too. So it's, yep. it's great to travel through life, but then we keep coming back to the people who 
really have that feeling for you, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and you know, there's a saying, you you have uh, some friends are there for a reason, and some friends are there for a season. And <laughs> you are, oh, girl, but you are, you are a friend, you know, for a reason, and you have been for a really long time. Um, so I'm just so happy you are here today on this podcast with me. Um, Absolutely. Me too. Me too. And I'm happy that like, as this podcast is about professions, like, I feel like we've both kind of found a success and, you know, like what we're doing and like, that's great as well. You know, Mm -hmm. we can connect about that too. So again, I'm honored and happy to be here. Yeah. We'll talk all about success and what that means to us. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So um, thank you for recording on uh, short notice too, by the way. Um, So everyone, uh, yeah, so we have Emily Thompson here. Emily is a meeting and events planner for a nonprofit professional society focused on research with a neurological disorder. Now, that is a lot um, to take in. That's, that's a lot to process. I'm still processing after, you know, I've said it. I st- <laughs> but It is wordy. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it also is really important work. Um, and I think we need to uh, um, be aware of that. So, uh First off, how is your day going? I know we, you know, we, how is your day going? It is gloomy in Chicago. Everyone, she is, uh, she does reside in Chicago. The day is good. I'm drinking a, a fresh uh, cup of coffee Ooh, um, as I sh- as I show Brody on our video chat <laughs> and this is recorded. Sorry about that. Um, but no, day is good. I think um, I just got off a pretty crazy work week, so I'm ready for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um uh, as Brody mentioned, I work for a nonprofit professional society. Uh, we provide continuing educations to doctors for their specific area. Um, our specific area is a specific neurological disorder. So um, this past couple of months, you know, we put on a live uh, in-person event for doctors to get their education every year. It's over 6,000 attendees. Um, and my uh, job is specifically in planning that and the logistics around in-person events. But so the last couple of months, as we all have been dealing with the pandemic, it's been a crazy push and pull of like, are we going to have this in-person meeting or not? Mm-hmm. And so um, at the end of July, we decided we're pivoting completely virtual. And so every week from uh, the end of July has just been ramping up because we have to prepare for this new virtual landscape mm. of events. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. And we will get to logistics and all of that within the job. Um, so, but you know, I like to just get a little background on my interviewees. Okay. Interviewer, okay. Interviewees. Yes. And you know, I know probably all of this, but there might be something that you say that I don't know. So let's go into it. Well, oh my gosh. Do you okay. think? I don't know. There might be something, there might be something that I'm like, I never knew that. Okay. So, you know, we're all going to learn something today probably. Okay. So, uh, we grew up together. Like we said, um, you are, well, we are from a small town in Illinois it's about two hours uh, northwest of Chicago. It's past the suburbs. It's not a suburb, people. So I was going to say. Let's get that we, right. Let's get it right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. People we, always say. We, we've combated. Exactly. Yeah. We've combated this kind of topic our yeah. entire life, right? Like, yeah. when you say you're two, th- two hours west of Chicago, people still think that suburbia. And, like, I want to be clear to everybody listening. We were in the middle of the corn. Like, we, it was yeah. not suburbia. I mean, we were... This is 
uh, rural America. We were we were very close to Iowa. Like we were, <laughs> but honestly, we were pretty much Iowa. And like that's kind of like how I associate growing up. I don't really grow like. Um, yeah, so like, you know, you get 30 minutes outside of Chicago and that's still suburbs, 30 to 45 minutes. That's still suburbs. But once you pass that like hour mark where you're getting to like, you know, Rockford and like DeKalb, like we're (laughs) even past that. If anybody knows where these places are, you know, um, (laughs) yeah, right. It's like, hello. Does anybody know? Uh, Do you know? Like, no, no, once you're getting to those areas, it's in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, no tea, really no shade is. to people who live there, but, like, I I have a love-hate relationship with, you know, where I we agree. grew up. And I think you kind of do, too. How was growing up in a small town um, like this sort of setting? How was it for you? You know, uh, that could be a really loaded question, but keeping me on my toes. Because, you know, you know, when we're not recorded, I have a lot to say about this. So, you know, let's bring it to the masses. Um, <laughs> it was definitely interesting right and as you're growing up like you're cool with it because you don't know anything else but like I think in high school really was the first time I knew that like I do not I don't want to say belong here because I think when I go back to home I do have this special sense of like this is belonging and I am connected to the earth here yada 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 so I don't want to say belong but I just knew that I I didn't fit in and I knew that there was not a life for me there. You know what I mean? I think I knew that as a really young age. So then, you know, once high school came, I skedaddled, you know what I mean? Um, but it was, it was great. I feel like I've met some great people. I think I am very outgoing. So it was never a fact of like feeling lonely like that. You know, I think, I thank God every day for going into high school and connecting to like-minded people like you, Brody. You know what I mean? Because like, I think that was the part of, of survival in that kind of space. You know, you had to find your people. Um, and I did that, you know, and like, as, as I think it's a testament to as we've grown through life, because like, here I am and here you are. So it's like, I found the right, the right people, you know, and as, as we both don't live there anymore, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we do. Um, well, I still have family there, I guess. Yeah, do you still I do, have too. You do. Yeah. In another tiny town, a, a, t- yeah, <laughs> a smaller yeah. town where my family is actually from a smaller town As than even our a town. smaller town than our like other, yeah. 700 people small. So that's where my family's at. But Brody's <laughs> yeah. in the big metropolis of 9000. Yeah, people, yeah so. exactly. But, is it is it 9000? I never knew. People always ask him like, I, I really think don't so. Know. I mean, that's what the sign says when you roll oh, up. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, the new census is happening. So we'll see. Maybe it grows by like a thousand or maybe you know who knows maybe it decreases by 2000 i don't know i really don't know but you know i i do yeah i have a love-hate relationship because um i do love it in a sense of like it does remind me of home and it reminds me of my family and it reminds me of um some special moments growing up but also i feel like the life there was so limited for me yeah i it almost does feel like a survival technique of like, I need to get out. And maybe some people might think it's dramatic survival, like using these words. But if you're from a small town and you're a little bit different in any sort of way, it is kind of like a survival. You do have to protect yourself. And, you know, I've talked about it before. Like if you're a sensitive soul, like you do have to protect yourself in certain ways. And, um, you know, but 
there are some amazing people in that town and some amazing people that we grew up with that I still call friends. I still, um, they still have a really special place in my heart. So like there are good people everywhere. You just have to find them. You just have to, you know, search a little bit, but they're, but they're, yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. I think, um, that the area that we're from, it just was a mixture with a lot of things, right? We're mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. You know, you're going to have, uh, you're going to have access to things at a much, you know, a young age and you're going to have a lot of fun. Right. And there's, um, there's a lot of things that come with that and a lot of growing up. So it's just like, make sure you find those right people to do all that with, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> and also to help, you know, take care of you and like get, yeah. you, th- get you through hard situations. I mean, I think, I think that's a real reason why, when I look back fondly on high school, I, I do look back fondly on it because I, I had I had my group of people there to help me navigate through some of that hard, the hard growing up shit and the the perspectives, the other perspectives that I needed. I mean, Brody, what was so great about you know we talked about this of you being a year older. You know what I mean? I you went away first, you know, mm-hmm, yeah. and, and it was great. It gave me an outlet to kind of jump away from home base and go explore bigger towns in Illinois, like where you went to school at and mm. things like that, you know? So, um, it, it, I think our adolescence worked out pretty okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it was hard, but I think we knew what we had to do to find our own, um, path and happiness to where we wanted to be in life, to who we wanted to be in life. I think that's another thing too. Right. But, um, even when I go back home, I always have this internal conflict about it because I do feel such a, oh, I'm home, you know, but I do get a sense. And I think just with the landscape of everything happening now, and obviously we don't have to go into details of that, but you just, you, you are, you're, th- I'm very thankful that every time I go back, I get, it gets reiterated to me that I need to go. I need to leave. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I need to go back mm-hmm. to the place that I, I consider home now, which is Chicago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if you're from a small town and you, and you enjoy a small town, we're not bashing this at all. Okay. It just is not going to be for everyone. Like that sort of life is just not going to be for everyone. And that's okay. Um, yeah. I, cause I do enjoy going to a smaller town and like, I do enjoy going back to our hometown because I, it's almost kind of a, I get to recharge my batteries. I get to yeah. chill for a little bit and just kind of get back to basics and reground myself of where I've come or where I've been and where, how far I've come. So I do love a small town. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't want to live in it right now. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's all. I, I, yeah. That's all. I, I think, I think that's a, I think that's a good point, but yeah. In no way, I think Brody, that's a great point. In no way, um, small towns, small towns rock. You know what I yeah. mean? It, it, it's a part of it's a part of uh, <laughs> the entire world, I guess. You know, yeah. you have cities, you have small towns, and in no way, in shape and form, I would ever pass on judgment to people who want to live in, in small towns. But oh, I think no. uh, it wasn't for me. No, and well, who knows? And, and, and me. we spent a lot of our life there, so I think we just wanted to change just to. <laughs> You know, just to be honest, but absolutely. Um, so, speaking of adolescence, you touched on it a little bit, but what are some things that influenced you from adolescence into adulthood? Adolescence, because they're probably going to be similar adulthood. to mine, honestly. But I want to hear yours. So, like, um, was specifics or like 
Well, so like for uh, me, so like, for me, like I think of, and you're probably gonna know this, but um, uh, like David Bowie was a very big influence. Got it. Okay. Yeah, like Cher was a big influence for me. Yeah. Like they both still are. But you know, like those types of things that actually help you grow into the person you are becoming. You know, like and um, help shape your understanding of this life. Right. Um, you know, I would have to say, I think, uh, especially in college, I did um, a couple of like, because I have a degree in theater, like you, Brody, you know, a lot of the plays that I did, actually, like these parts that I landed really coincided with what I needed in my life right now. And so working through and like being an actor and like working through all the emotions that a character poses, I really feel like I did a lot of my growing through the parts that I had. Um, but like, absolutely. Right. Like if we, if we point to like famous, uh, you know, like musicians and things like that, let's get real lady Gaga. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the way she entered the world was absolutely needed for my generation, for younger generation, because that was the first time that I had ever seen anybody saying, I am different. You're going to take it and it's going to be great. And we're going to jam all night long. I mean, I, I think in like, we were in high school, you know, I think like when, well, I think I was a senior when Just Dance came out and it was just like her opening up what all this could be and how you could be creative in these ways that um, weren't cookie cutter, weren't straight laced, you know, I think that was really inspiring, you know what I'm saying? And I think um, she brought about just great movements, obviously with, um, the Born This Way, LB. the Born This Way Foundation, I believe she's, yeah, she's yes, still, yeah. right. And, but then just like for like, um, you know, body positivity, LBGTQ, you know, plus all of that, you know, I think she just pushed everything to this great forefront where, um, who knows, right, where those types of causes would be if it wasn't for her. You know, I, I think, I think I owe her a lot. But then also like, right, you got like Florence and the Machine, Florence, you know, um, Florence, uh, Welch, you know, I think she was great and she was fantastic. But I think for me to kind of grow and and what shaped me, honestly, were the experiences that I had, you know, I think, uh, I think from high school to early 20s, and then like, right, as you navigate to your to your late 20s, a lot of stuff happens. I think you have an awareness shift. And I just think, um, for me, the path was not always smooth, right? And I think my own life and how I chose to handle things and having some up and downs really helped me get to this place of balance where I think I'm at now, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, sometimes you need to go through those lows to get to the highs, and I truly believe that. And I say, you know, like, if you make a mistake, it's okay. People make mistakes, okay? That's part of life. Absolutely. Um, but it's learning from those mistakes. It's not, you know, to continue Absolutely. to make that same mistake, like, some people do that and I'm like you know this life we're living like you have to learn and you have to adapt and you have to really expand your mind to different things and new ways of doing things and just it's okay to make mistakes people just learn from it you know or try to you know Absolutely. And to your point about you're going to keep learning lessons, you know, it's like a great saying, you, this, the, your life, the life is going to keep having you go through situations until you actually learn the lesson. So the lessons will keep coming up. You know what I mean? But Brody, to your point about the, the lowness of life, I mean, 
I got this job that I have now, you know, and bringing it back to the topic, mm-hmm. right? Because yes. Brody and I can get off on tangents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got we'll this go job a from a temp agency. <laughs> yeah. So like, even on that kind of level, right? Like you have to go through things, you have to try things. And even if like, right, who, some people look at a temp agency of like, oh, that's, you know, I'm not at that level yet. I'm not that desperate or whatever, but it's like, I think you have to try and who knows what's going to, what kind of opportunities will come up from just making a a move. Because I feel like, you know, being from the small town and moving into Chicago, the first year that I was here was very, it was overwhelming for me. You know, I had a degree in theater. I obviously was lacking some kind of gumption to, to, you know, get out and audition because I wasn't, I just wasn't doing anything. I wasn't fueled by that. I had to land on my feet somehow. And so the temp agency opened up and now I feel like that opened up so many doors in the life I never thought I could have, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it's just crazy how life works. Oh, yeah. So my message to people listening, like if you're going through it, keep going through it. Cause it's a beautiful process. You just going through it. And uh, I hope you find what you're looking for. Oh yeah. And you know, <laughs> you, you said um, you are a trained actor and what was your time like? acting like in the acting role and would you ever get back into it in any any sort of form are you um yeah this is another loaded question too you know i think um actors are sensitive people and i think um i really feel like brody as we were getting trained as actors and coming out of acting school, the landscape had really changed, right? Because young, when we were younger, there was like social media was just starting, I feel like. And so you didn't have to really um, sell yourself on like that kind of platform. You know what I mean? And so uh, while in acting school and, and going to college for theater, I really loved it. I loved the, the trial and error that you could safely practice and learn emotions and how to navigate them with different roles. I really, really loved that, you know? And it's kind of like how, like, uh, even as a little girl, I love dance class, but, like, I could, like, take or leave the performances, you know? And, and I think for acting, right, it was intimidating after college and really having to, like, be your own hype man and really putting yourself out there in a very vulnerable way and going to audition. And I feel like the sensitive artist in me, you know, of my most vulnerable places, I just couldn't handle that. You know, I think, I think it's a lot to put yourself out there and get rejected in the auditioning process. And I just think my mind at the state, when I was getting activated and going out in the world and doing that, I just wasn't ready for that. But to your point, um, of like, if I'm doing anything now, I am not, but I, I definitely, I still crave it. And I definitely think my mind is in a much better place to approach maybe like cold auditions or things like that. You know what I mean? To where I know I can validate myself if I don't get an audition or something like that, instead of, you know, um, the latter, which is just not feeling validated, leaving an audition. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know, acting's a profession that you really can revisit at any moment. I feel like I've always said that. I've always said that if I take a little break from it, I can always revisit it in some capacity. Um, and yeah, you know, you are right. You do have to be your own boss as an actor. Like, yes, you're going to have directors and you're going to have, you know, maybe a manager, maybe these types of things that can help you along the way and like help your focus. But you really are your own boss and like 
and you know how you see success, whatever, but whether you're going to be successful, whether you're going to get that next job, whether you're going to, you know, go the route that you really want to go, it's really up to you. And, you know, yes, you have to have people say yes to you, you know, casting directors and all of these different things, but just you going to, to, to the audition, getting up, going to the audition and, you know, putting yourself up for that. Well, yes or no. Right. That takes a lot. And that is, you know, you are your own boss in that way. It does take a lot. I mean, and it takes a lot of like mental strength too. You know what I mean? And I think for me, it's just like, I didn't want to deal with it. I wanted to just like jump to the art of it all. You know what I mean? You know, and I think that was just, that was really hard for me to understand because I think, um, there were moments in there where I kind of just felt like, am I giving up on myself? You know, am I, am I a failure? You know, I went to school to do this. I had this, um, drive in school I thought I was going to be able to do it and then you know I get to Chicago and I'm just I'm a hostess you know I'm not doing anything um and then luckily you know I I applied for the temp job and all the ways that I wanted to be fed by acting you know what I mean I am out getting fed in creative ways in my professional setting now you know what I mean because I think also with acting right there's a time that you have to really say can you make a living off of this? Because as you know, right, the bills pile up, you know? And so it's just like, I think, um, you know, I got the temp job and then I got the full-time job at the nonprofit that I'm at now. And I think that's really where it all kind of clicked for me that like, oh, maybe, maybe theater isn't my path that I'm cool with this, you know, but do I miss theater? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do I, I miss being creative. Do I miss this, this, this feel of being one out of a collective? Absolutely. But I will also say like, I still get the feeling, those kind of feelings in my job now, which is, which is a beautiful thing. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, so, so, so thankful that I've landed where I have landed. Cause I think it's, um, it's what I need. And it's, it's kind of a, a modge podge of everything that I need from acting and, and, you know, this professional life in, and hello, health insurance. There's just a lot mm-hmm. of things. So I'm very thankful. There's a lot of things that go into it. Um, yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah. you, uh, touched on Chicago, touched on being in Chicago. What year did you move to Chicago? Oh gosh. So I moved to Chicago in December of 15. So I really started off January of 16 here in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, But I got our apartment um, in December of 15. So it's been a while. This December will be five years, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. Four years. Five. So time flies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And what are some of your favorite things about Chicago? You know, I, um, I live in Logan square and I, I love Logan. I love, um, I love feeling that there's everything happening. I love feeling that you can go find what you're looking for. Cause you have the opportunity of so much. Um, I love the eclecticness of my neighborhood. You know what I mean? And I also just like the neighborhood vibe. Like I love bouncing around to neighborhoods. Um, I mean, and and don't get me wrong. Downtown is great, but I think uh, there's so much more to offer in the neighborhood. So you know what I mean? These things off the beaten path. um, It's fun to go and explore. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, there's great things about downtown and, you know, and Magnificent Mile and Navy Pier, all those things. They they definitely have great things about them, but the neighborhoods are just so much fun and there's just so much life happening around that, like, that's Absolutely. that's the best way I can describe it. Um, there's just so much different life and just, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's fun. Um, well, uh, I think to that point, each neighborhood has like its own vibe, right? Mm-hmm. So like you can kind of like get this um, gamut of all the differences of Chicago, you know, just kind of traveling through each of the neighborhoods. And, and that's, re- that's really fun. Yeah, you know? that is actually a really fun thing. Um, and so, you know, we're going to go to a quick break. But uh, what I want to know, what is, because I don't think I know, what is one outlandish thing you wanted to be growing up? It doesn't have to be outlandish, but what was like one thing that you really wanted to be? Gosh, this is interesting. I think, um, I think obviously you already know what I'm going to say. I would love to be a character on SNL. I mean, yes. I know that's like not outlandish and it's not, and like, of course, right. Like I wanted to be a ballerina, you know what I mean? Like who didn't, but I think like, um, I had some lofty goals in, in like the performance space. Let's get real. <laughs> <laughs> you are all these skits like that. I, you, I mean, you know, you've seen me at my best at my worst. The best as Elise has some, funny things you know <laughs> i always said you needed to be on snl because you just oh my god just you can adapt yourself and like that that sort of like sense of acting you can really adapt yourself and like you know imp- improvisation improvisation i can't say it but you get what i'm saying like in that Absolutely. sort of realm of acting you are um very uh very successful um <laughs> Okay, do you know what mine was? Okay, so I don't think I've ever told you, but what I wanted to be... Okay, so I think I was in... It, I was in first grade, so... Wait, was it... Was it tell me... I just want to guess one. Taxi okay. driver? It was. It was. <laughs> like, okay, also, like, what the hell? Like, okay, so in like... sixth grade... So in... No, no, not sixth grade. First grade. I was six years old. I had a very... I had a very... Um, uh, you know, I had this vision... That I, and I still remember it to this day, I, I wanted to be a taxi driver, but specifically in New York City. Um, <laughs> and, you know, no Tino shade to drivers and to taxi, um, taxi drivers, Uber drivers, because, you know, oh you gosh. can make some money doing it's that. It's a living. Yeah. It's you people's careers. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's not, it's, it's sort of a weird thing to be when you're wanting to be when you're younger, you know, I don't know. But I think it's because I always loved like, um, I've always loved people and I've, and you know, I've always just been interested in like different ways of life. And so I think, you know, that New York city, like you would see a lot of people as a taxi driver, no doubt. So like, I can imagine you're the driver behind somebody doing that, but also like, can I just understand, like, when was actually the first time you rode in a taxi? Oh, not until I was probably like, I mean, I don't know. When I moved to Chicago, probably. Like, yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah, so it's, yeah, that was my vision when I was six years old. I also just, like, picture you, like, on a New York City corner, like, just kind of, like, posed up on the taxi with, like, a taxi hat, like, waiting yes. for your rides. Um, okay, perfect. We're going to go on that note. We're going to go Wait, on what's your quick... other one? What's your other that one? That was it. That was a taxi driver. Oh. That was it. Well, and I also wanted to be, but it was more of, like, a, um... You know, like you're 
these like sort of like stock careers like oh you can be a teacher or you can be <laughs> so my other one was an astronaut and that didn't happen you know how much math you would have had to do to be oh, an god, astronaut and i'm horrible at math like we know this like this is not yeah no i just i just wanted the <laughs> like I, honors i wanted the glamour of like the you know like <laughs> I'm the first man on Mars. Like yeah. something like that. I'm the first gay man on Mars. You know, oh my yeah. god, that would have been so great, Brody. I know, I know. Okay, we're gonna go to break, everyone. Oh my god, we'll be right back with more from Emily. Thank you. A huge thank you to the musician Elijah Knoll for allowing this podcast to use a song from his album Delusional. Go check out all of his music on iTunes today. And we're back, but so what? So what were you saying um, about imposter oh. syndrome? And, yeah. Well, so we, we were talking about you know our hometown. This is going back, but I think you know, saying how a part of the reason you're doing this podcast is to learn more about things you just never knew. Mm-hmm. And I think because being in a small town, it limits your awareness of the possibilities of what you could be, of what's out there, of what you could be. You know what I mean? And all these like really finite job roles, you know, mm-hmm. that you could have. We missed out on that from being in a small town and then how that translates. Right. And how I move about my professional world as I am I am always battling and I'm not always, I'm, I think as I get older, I, I can, I can combat it, but I'm always really dealing with, I think an imposter syndrome mm. because of being from a tiny town and not understanding that the world is for our taking that yeah. I can come into Chicago and be in this high level professional space and move, uh, move well and freely in it, you know, mm-hmm. because, because the limits of, where we were born at kind of were just naturally um ingrained in us maybe Mm -hmm. you know what i mean because like think about it right where we were at in high school and graduating and the opportunity that was presented to us just by default is not the same opportunity than a high school at a high schooler at lane tech graduating in chicago just by just by the sheer locale, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Of, yeah. of Chicago being a hub of in the entire America and then just this tiny town where we're at, you know yeah. what I mean? So I think, I think it's just like, I will be keeping that in mind if I ever choose to have kids. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Cause mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think small towns are safer and everything, but I wonder, and I don't know, right. Cause I'm not, a, I'm not a parent. I probably won't be for a good five to 10 years, but it's just like, Choosing where you have your kids go to school, what is that opportunity cost you're giving up of where they're not going to school? Whether that be small town versus city or suburb versus city or suburb versus small town or suburb versus suburb. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think, I think right, that we can look at it on a on, um, professional and future level of where these kids are going. But, like, you should also look at it on, like, on a diverse level, are my kids getting and they're susceptible of all different kinds of cultures, all different kinds of lives, or are when they go to school, they're looking at everybody who looks just like them. You know what I mean? So I just think. So a different level of, um, you know, like inclusion. Yeah. yeah. And diversity, right. Mm-hmm. And, and a whole different level. Um, and I just think, I, I know we're talking about professions in the long term, but like, let's take a second and like really think like, how 
do parents pick where they're raising their kids, you know? And it has a lot to do with how we grow up and, 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 and enter this professional world and that baggage we carry with us based on where we grew up. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I think that's that's hard to navigate because I, I think if you're not from a small town, you don't really understand the, the things you took for granted being from a city, yeah. you know, and that mm-hmm. opportunity you had access to. Yeah. Sorry, that was a lot. No, it is. No, but you know, (laughs) but also people could probably turn it and like if they are from a bigger town or grew up in a bigger town, they could be like, well, you know, you had kind of like a serene sort of like um, humbling beginning where you could figure out more about yourself and like have more time to, you know, I I don't know. I'm just trying to, you know, play double. No, you're right, though. You're right. I mean, I think it's a double edged sword, you know, and I think people from both sides of the aisles, whatever those aisles may be, will always kind of have that what if and that volley back and forth of Mm -hmm. like, what was I missing out on? What wasn't I missing out on? Yeah. I mean, yeah. um, But, you know, but I think think it it comes back to like, yes, there's going to be different ways right but it's understanding those different ways and accepting those different ways and living your life and yeah you know right carrying on <laughs> absolutely absolutely and i think luckily brody something that whether that be our parents or or whatever something instilled us that like because we're not finding what we need in our hometown we're going to go out and find it i mean mm-hmm. i think out of my awareness came from to school you know what I mean going going and living at my college town for the summers and not coming back to my hometown and just like doing the work as a young adult to to become aware that and and get the awareness that I didn't get growing up in a hometown okay so now to you know why we are here why we are recording right so now to um but no, but all of this stuff, all of this stuff feeds into, you know, the larger goal, yeah. right? So now to event planning, um, meeting planning, event planning. So, uh, I want to hear all about it. How did you touch on it a little bit, but how did you get into this type of role? Yes. So, uh, like I said, you know, I landed in this as a temp job. You know what I mean? I feel like I didn't even really have like a working resume. It was just so difficult me for to to even approach that to where I haphazardly threw something together, went into this temp agency and they were like, hey, it looks good. Do you want to go try out this organization? It's at 20 hours a week. You know what I mean? Um, and then that worked out and they liked me well enough that I, I got offered a job. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I did um, a brief like interview process and I got offered a job. And at first it was, um, it was really supporting my supervisor. You know what I mean? It, she was a one woman meeting department. And so I started out as an events assistant and now I'm working on my fourth year with my organization. I have now gotten, I went from events assistant to events coordinator to now I'm, I'm, I'm a planner. So mm-hmm. I've definitely grown with the organization. Um, and that's been very rewarding. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but so temp agency, long right, story yeah. short. <laughs> so, temp, so temp agency. Yeah. And, um, did they kind of cater this role around you because they liked you so much. I remember something about that. Didn't they kind of work with you on some level? For sure. I feel like, um, my role really was supposed to be just a temp role, but I think because I came in and just so gung ho and happy to be a part of 
something professional let's get real right like it was my first office setting job in college I did retail when I moved to the city I did the service industry and so I think I just showed up and I was willing to learn and be a positive impact in the office you know what I mean um it really worked out to where I had interviewed for a job they had open, which was like a member services specialist, meaning like front lines, customer service, where, where our members call in for their needs. Because again, I'm a membership organization, uh, professional society, and our members are our doctors who are in our specific neurological disorder. So we actually have people we have to service. You know what I mean? They pay a yearly due and we actually have to give them a product, which whether that being the education credits, like I talked about early or some other kind of service. Um, so I interviewed for that. And honestly, that was, that was my first professional interview. And honestly, my, my really, my only professional interview that I have had. And I, that was, that was a learning experience because I went in there knowing I was doing this meeting work already. You know, I liked what the meetings and events work that I was doing, but this job was open and I really was like almost too transparent to where it was my detriment. Cause I was just like, well, if you guys think it's a good fit for me in this role, you know, maybe I will, you know, I'm happy to take it, you know, cause I wanted to be a, I want, I knew I wanted to stay in the professional world, right? Like I was really trying to get out of this temporal and especially within the organization. Cause I, I, I do really like the organization I work for. I think it has a really great work culture and their understanding, you know, of parents who work for us and everything like that. The benefits are great. Yada, yada, yada. Um, but so in this interview for this membership specialist, I, it, I came out and I, I knew I didn't want it. And, and, Luckily, right, then it pivoted to Emily does really want to work in this this meeting space. And so they, they did. They created a job position for me because they didn't want to lose me. So that was really cool, right? Like, that was really great. And it, it only re reiterated how great of a match and how lucky I was to really land at this organization. Because, like, who does that happen to? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, seriously, like, I just got really so lucky and honestly like how I got and I think about it Brody all the time how I got like directed to the temp agency that I I got was through like my old roommate best friend's uh, co-worker at the job that she was at during the time so like I'm a firm believer as I I'm sure most of the people listening to your podcast are and, and you right like the universe you know, your higher power, if it's God, if it's whatever, they really do conspire to help you out. And I just like throwing it up. Hallelujah. Again, I'm so lucky, you know, cause like, again, I've, I've four years ago, I got this, I landed this gig and I am still growing with them. And it's just like, it's opened my world up to so many opportunity. I can travel on my organization's dime. I've been all across the country. It's just been it's been such a blessing. I'm so thankful. You know what I mean? Because again, right, going back to what we already talked about, this imposter syndrome being from a tiny town, I just never thought I would even have the opportunity that I have with, with the organization that I'm with, you know, mm -hmm. helping people, helping the doctors, then in turn helping their patients. It's quite, um, it's quite a beautiful thing. And I'm thankful every day. You know. Yeah, you know, and that that is Sorry. beautiful. And no, no, please. And my what answers said, are long. No, I love it because you explain to it, and you actually speak to what you are, you know, um, right, trying to say. But uh, so 
I, I really loved what you said about the universe. You know, I think a lot of people, um, you know, sometimes this life can be hard. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes, sometimes this life can be very hard. Can we just like take a moment for how, how hard life is like just to yeah. pause? Yeah, it really can be. And especially, you know, the climate we're in now, but we're not going to touch on that. But, yeah. um, so, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, you know, it's, you know, I, just everything's against me. Nothing's working out for me. Really, the universe wants to help you. The yeah. universe is trying to give you what you need. And I might be getting, you know, very metaphysical up in here, but I don't care. The universe think so. really is trying to speak to you. Yeah. And um, it's your choice or not to listen to it. It's your choice or not to open yourself up and actually receive the message of, oh, you know what? This isn't working. Maybe I need to yeah. go down this route. Uh, this isn't working for me either. Maybe I need to try this. Try new things. Try And, you know, this is why I'm doing this podcast, because I want people to maybe experience something, a, a job, um, a way of life that they may have never even considered. And <laughs> but, you know, like maybe they have never Absolutely. even maybe they have never even heard of like a, a meeting planner, you know. Maybe they haven't. Seriously, I don't know. Though, seriously, on my on the level that I, it's not just like I'm planning weddings. You know, I, I'm like doing like uh, planning and for no tea, 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 no tea to event to you know wedding planners because that's I couldn't even imagine. That's huge. I often think about starting my own like independent planning business, and mm-hmm. I would plan weddings. Like that is yeah. not that that's not you would knocking be anything. So good you know? at that. Call me J Lo in the wedding planner. Hey Matthew McConaughey. Um, but no, yeah. To your point, Brody. I think yes, you have to try new stuff. And and like I said, like I will always now. I talk to young people who are fresh out of college, and they're like, I don't know what to do. How do I try things? I say temp agency. <laughs> do yeah. I do? And I kid you not. It's not even funny because like I. I think you could try a lot of different things and still get paid for it and have this trial and error because sometimes temp work is you go into a place for three weeks a month and then you're done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I will always, always plug temp agencies now because you just never know what could work out, you know? Yeah. And, you know, you did say something. Um, yeah. And, you know, you need to be smart about trying new things. You need to make sure that, you know, all of your bills are getting paid, all of that sort of stuff. You know, yeah. you, you really do need to be smart about it. But if, you are in a situation where you can try something new, try it. Great. (laughs) Okay. So, um, what is meeting and event planning? Okay. So just put it in like, just basic, a basic description for us. What is a normal day like for you as well? Okay. So it's a lot. I think it's a lot of logistics, you know, especially in the role that I do now. Um, I'm in Excel a lot. I got a lot of different spread uh, Excel spreadsheets for a lot of different things, you know, and it's um, so really what I do, it would be I'm taking everything and getting it to the proper hands to run a multi-day, multi-thousand meeting. So it's just a lot everywhere from food and beverage down to transportation on a local level on transportation on a international um domestic you know america country level um it's a lot of different it's a lot of different things and the cool thing right about the event planners role over time 
it's changed because it, it, it can be just these, you know, literally plan something, make sure everybody has what they need. But then now you're seeing the, this kind of event planner role going into more strategic meeting planning and meeting design. So really having the meeting planner take a, take on a better role, a bigger role in budgeting, return on investment for the organization, and then right down to this level of how are we having the people who are coming to our event absorb this content? How can we give them the proper program format so they can go and do what they got to do? And, and how is that measurable, right? I learned this great thing, um, and it's it's return on investment, and there's all these different levels to it and how you can measure if a meeting, an in-person meeting, is actually worth what it's worth, like these intangible things, like what these people learn at the meeting, if it's worth the cost of the meeting. So it gets really interesting and very, um, <laughs> like, very, like, uh, what's the word? Um, you know, like, uh, like high thinking, if you will. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's much more than just, uh, I have to make sure these people have these proper things. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You almost have to be, like, sense. hyper aware of everything. That's everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like, um, especially when we're putting on our annual meeting, there's nothing that I or my supervisor don't know about because like we have to know about everything because we are coordinating everything for the meeting. And I think it, it, it also opens up because like I work with a lot of different vendors. So it's, it's great because I still really feel the collaboration aspect in my job of what I felt of, of theater, which is like, I am part of a team that's putting on a production and I, I really get to help the success of the production, which is kind of cool because I feel like I do a lot of production things too, you know? So it's, I just feel like I'm broadening my skill set in a lot of different ways. And, um, some of the, <laughs> some of the things I do are just really crazy. Cause like, yes, I am doing the thing. Like if our, um, if there's a person on our board of directors who wants something specific, right? Like if he wants this crazy kind of hot chocolate, yes. Am I the person to go look for all the cool types of hot chocolate we can give him? Absolutely. You know what I mean? I do these tiny things, but I also do these things on a big scale. So, um, there's never a dull day. And I'm also doing different things every day, which is great, right? Because, like, my job is so vast. If I don't feel like being in an Excel grid for some time, you know, just because of the mood that I'm working in, I don't have to do that. I can mm-hmm. touch something different because, right, there's so many things to be done for an in-person meeting of over 6,000 people. Well, yeah. So it's great. <laughs> well, yeah, no. And um, it's – well, it sounds like you have to be very skilled at prioritization, right? <laughs> Right. Yeah. I think that's number one. And do you know what helped me learn that? Let's say it together. Being a server. Oh my Being God. Being a server. I think that is a masterclass oh on what to prioritize God. and when, and that is how I'm successful. Honestly, one of the best jobs you can get, right? Like go, if you are trying to get into the workplace and just like trying to see how to treat people and trying to see, you know, like your skills at prioritization or like just, just so many different skills, communication skills. Yeah. You go be a server and your mind is going to be blown. One of the hardest jobs I've ever had was serving. And I will always say that because that work is some of the hardest, most difficult work you can have. 
Yeah. Um, and, and yeah. it's pressure. It is I mean, pressure. I know it's just people's food, but it's pressure. You know what I mean? You work mm-hmm. at these prestigious restaurants, the clientele you get, and it's just like, uh, and especially with time prioritization, right? Like, oh, oh another, another table's got seated in my section. I, I got to go. You have to make these split decisions in this real time. And like, if you mess up a decision, it could be your tip. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, and I know that's, it's, it's, it's so much more than the tip, right? It's the customer service experience with the restaurant and things like that. But yes, I've learned a lot of my time prioritization, uh, my time prioritization. I have learned from serving. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's, it's funny cause it, ki- it kind of ties into, you know, you're your own boss as an actor. You're your own boss as a server too. Yeah. You have managers. Yeah. You have a restaurant owner, but you, your money depends on you most of the time, not yeah, all the time, absolutely. not all the time, but most of the time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that prioritization is a skill that you definitely, I, I would assume that you would need. What other type of skills um, would help you be successful in this type of role? Um, you know, you got to like details. You got to like slicing and dicing data. You know what I mean? And you got to like tracking things. I am. I have attendee lists that I have to follow and make sure my attendees are doing what they have to do. Make sure they're booking their travel, making sure they're doing hotel. You got to do a lot of follow-up because like I said, um, my supervisor and I, we have to know everything that's going on. And sometimes, right, that's us going to the staff and getting that. So you got to like doing follow-up. You got to like detail, obviously. I think um, uh, another th- another thing that, that you really have to like is you're a connector. You're taking what the staff and the members want you to do and you're putting it in into actuals, you know, and like hard, hard things. So you are a connector, a conduit of information. So you have to be, I think, with that being said, I think the biggest skill that I think makes me successful in my role is you have to know how to deal with multiple different types of people. So, and I, I want to give you guys some more context about that. So we, we plan our one large meeting, you know, a year, but also a part of my job role is planning tiny, smaller meetings throughout the year, whether that be at an airport hotel out of O'Hare or bringing the group downtown. When I go to plan these meetings, I, I start with the staff liaison to the content of the meeting. And so if I'm planning seven meetings throughout the year, that's that can technically be seven different staff liaisons. So I think a great thing about me is like I match people's working style. I know how people are. I'm empathetic and I meet their needs of what they need and what type of work style they have. My job is not about me. It's about producing a product that's good for the collective at the meeting. And so it's just like I think that is it's what I like about it. You know what I mean? It keeps me on my toes. Yes. Um, so now, uh, so CMP. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So you guys were laughing about something else. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but okay. So CMP is a new part of your title. And yes! so you just told me about this. So it's a certified meeting professional. So CMP, you guys. Uh, now, so you had to like study and take a test and like all of this sort of like work. So what was that like? So it was, um, at first it was daunting, right? I think, you know, going 
It's great because it really just, everything about our conversation builds, you know? So, like, going back to being from a small town, who would ever thought I'd have letters behind my name? You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it was kind of daunting, but I was I was prepared. Um, but it was a lot of studying. So, like, the first step that you have to do is you. I had to go and get continuing education credits. And I know I've talked about them, but a lot of times, really, when in any field that you're in, it's professional development. You know what I mean? And so I had to clock 25 hours of professional, um, continuing uh, education. And then, um, you applied to take the test and then really you just studied the material and you have to take a test. I found a really great study group, which was fantastic, which helped me and held me accountable. But I feel like the, the two weeks prior before the test, and I just took it on September 2nd. So now we're, you know, less than two weeks away from that. Um, it was just like studying all the time. And I don't know if there's any theater majors out there, but <laughs> theater, you don't study. We don't you study, memorize. you guys. Yeah, you, we don't study. <laughs> You really memorize. No, we you know do. What we I do mean? study. We, you know, <laughs> acting majors out there. Please, please study. But yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. But yes. you're not like retaining the information you're retaining is like you know your role. So yeah, it's, it doesn't yeah. feel like a, yeah. studying. A lot you know? of stuff you're studying. It's like monologues and it's like performances. So it's it. There's a uh, memorization sort of thing to it that like yeah it kind of blurs the lines of studying and yeah right. just memorizing and it's something. and it's different from different majors you yeah. know it's not like you're you're memorizing these facts to go and spin them back out for a, a test you know it, yeah. it's very much it's just different so to get back into the studying realm again that was that was a process but let me tell you from this process i feel like i have a newfound love of studying and the stillness of just like taking in information never had and I and and like right who knows if that's me pushing 30 or who knows if you know what I'm saying but it's just like I'm happy I had the process to kind of find that new love of studying because it's like you guys have to focus and study you know what I mean like I had to really just like put my phone away and really like just retain information so that was fun you know that all that was fun and then um uh the day of the test you know because of COVID I had to take it at home Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I could have gone to the testing center, but I didn't want to wear a mask for no, four hours. Like no. the test was like three and a half, four hours. And yeah. I was just like, I'm going to take it at home. And that was really cool because I got to do all this kind of crazy virtual security checking stuff. So, um, I had to get my glasses, you know, they, they, they video cameraed my room. They took pictures of my hands. I got some finger tattoos. They had to make sure those were like not notes or anything. Um, but then once we got through all of that, the test was great. And it was like, right away, I knew if I passed or failed. Oh, I see. I like that. I, I, was, I, I need the, like, amazing. I need the climax. I need the build. I need to know right. if I passed it or not. Yeah. I, exactly. I don't want none of this. Like two weeks, you'll get it back. No. No. no way. No way. And so that was really great. But I will say, you know, I took a lot of practice tests and I got, I got done with them in like an hour and a half. And with the real test, I used up all of my time because well, I just wanted well. to make sure. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But it was great. And oh my gosh, work was so supportive of me. And I think, and honestly, and like, can I get real right now? It mm. honestly was really hard for me to study this subject matter because the, the year that we're living in, live events have just got the rug pulled, you know, right from underneath of, underneath of them. And so, like, even my events, you know, I had I had a, I had meetings in January and then in March I had two. They were canceled. And it was just this abrupt shift where, like, I held kind of some bitterness, you know, towards like 
towards what was happening in the world and towards like these events not happening. Cause like, that's where I got my self-worth. I love, and I think it's so much of why I was a great server. And what I loved about serving is like, I love these tiny exchanges. I love making people happy. I love giving good customer service. You know what I mean? It's what brings me joy. And so to have that completely wiped away from COVID, it was a lot to navigate, you know, and like, seeing people lose their jobs from live industry events not happening. It was just, it was a lot. So I had to really deal with some of my own internal conflicts to get to a good point about studying. You know what I mean? Of like, it of like, why would I be learning this subject matter when like, I don't see a time in sight where there's going to be live events, you know, it was such an interesting battle I played with my internal mind and emotions, but we got there and we got through it and let's hope, you know, 2021 is much better. But I, I guess I was so honored when you asked me to be a part of this podcast because I wanted to, um, because it's you obviously, but I wanted to share this side because I think, um, in America, you know, the restaurants are being amplified and that people understand how their, you know, small businesses are suffering. But I just wanted to say, I think uh, the events industry and the live events industry is, is suffering and people are, you know, highly skilled people losing their jobs because there's just not people meeting. And so I wanted, I'm so happy for this platform to amplify that. So thank you so much. Cause I do think, people need to be aware that there is there there's there is this industry that's suffering uh greatly mm-hmm. you know there because is. of covid i mean and it's not just my industry it's across the board but i'm so thankful to have you this podcast as a platform to share what's how it's affecting me you yeah. know yeah you know the yeah the climate we're in is pretty intense but you know you always you know, we will probably get hopefully to a point where, you know, we can travel again and, you know, travel was a big part of your job. And so yeah. what, what was uh, one of your favorite places that you did travel to and you uh, might be looking forward to traveling to when, you know, things calm down? Yeah, right. So, okay, I have I have a couple stories. I'm actually really excited that you asked me this question. So um, travel that I missed out on this year that I was very excited for. Seattle. I had already been there though, but I was looking forward to going back there. Love I was going to go to Portland for the first time. Never been, you know, when, and I feel so, you know, with what's going happening, just that whole city in general, you know, you feel for them. And so I was really excited about that. Um, uh, but I've been to multiple destinations, you know, I, I am so thankful that I get to travel multiple times a year to do these like site visits for future, for future meetings. And, and really, um, we use site visits to understand the flow and the venues and how, how, how the meeting's going to run, you know what I mean? Once we're on site. So we use those as like, um, research trips, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. So you go but, before, so anybody who might not be familiar, you go before the actual event, like, <laughs> sometime before the actual event actually even happens and absolutely. you just like do some research around that area. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for giving that context. So we go about a year out. So do you have any, um, things that you would say are the most like rewarding parts of your job? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, it feels good to execute you know, I do so much planning, right? Like that is what I do. And to get on site and just like feel good about your preparation 
and just like execute, execute, execute. And like to trust what you did. It's so rewarding. It's so rewarding. But ultimately I think it goes back to what we were talking about just with who I am. I love doing a good job. That's rewarding. I love giving people good customer service. I love supporting my team. And and all of that is rewarding because it feeds me. You know what I mean? It makes me feel good about the work that I'm doing. So any any customer service thing that I tackle, absolutely. Whether that's helping our members or my staff, yeah. Okay, so someone who might sure. be um, wanting to get into sort of event planning or some sort of planning job. Uh how do they get into that line of work? And I mean, besides maybe a temp route, but like how, how would yeah. they um, sort of pursue that route? Um, so I think with event planning, there's a lot of different avenues. I think, um, you know, if you are going to school, you can get a hospitality degree. You know what I mean? So it could start even on that level. And and I know from hearing about from my predecessors and my mentors, that whole higher education within hospitality has grown astronomically from like 30 years ago because it like it is a business. It is a multi-billion dollar business of live events and like people don't don't realize that, you know, but it's like, it is a massive industry. So it's great to see like higher ed, like fleshing out the different kind of learning programs and things like that. And like the, the class structure. So that's, that's really great. I sometimes maybe think that I should have done like that as a degree, but I'm cool with my theater degree, but then, so then go, coming from that, I think Chicago specifically has really great opportunities to get involved. There's some great industry associations. So there's um MPI which is meeting professionals international there's a great Chicago chapter and then also um PCMA which is another great uh, Chicago uh, organization and that's on a national level too I mean they're all national and like MPI is international but they have local like Chicago chapters because it's such a big industry in Chicago they programs for students. And that's something that I wish I would have checked out way back when I was a temp instead of, you know, two years into my, in, into my role, you know, so I definitely uh, will plug those. And PCMA stands for Professional Convention Management Association. Um, so that's a really great resource as well. Um, but even restaurants, right? I think I get a lot of experience of executing events from the great local restaurant we worked or I worked at in our hometowns, Candlelight. You know, I was serving banquets, watching how they executed those events. You know, when I was younger, so I think, I think serving too is a great, a great way to get into it. And and again, there's, I think that's what's great about events. And as we talked about it, there's a lot of different avenues, right? You can have wedding, you can have professional. Um, a membership events, you can have corporate events, you can have incentive travel, you know, there's, it's, it's a, it's a broad, it's a broad field, you know, to get into. Yeah, it really is. There's definitely um, a couple different avenues you can uh, go down. Um, But okay, so this is my last question for the day. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And it's, um, and it's a question I ask uh, everyone I interview just because I'm interested. Um, How do uh, you measure success? How do you measure um, your own success in a day? In a day? I mean, just a, it can okay. be general, but like a lot of people need me to break it down. Like, yeah, like, I hear you yeah. for sure. You know, if I, I want to contribute, 
I think, I think contributing to a greater cause bigger than myself is definitely, um, success in my book. And I also think, um, okay, happiness, you know what I mean? Am I fulfilled by what I'm doing? That is success. You know, I think that more so drives me more so than any kind of monetary value. I'm so thankful that I'm connected to an organization where like the work that I do lends itself to the work of my colleagues who are doing work on a masks, the betterment of patients within this neurological disorder. So I think I have found an organization that's the best of everything, you know, out of all these things that I think that are, are success, you know, being part of a great team, doing work for a bigger cause, feeling fulfilled in my job role. I'm a part of an organization that really supports me to do all of those. And I feel like I do it on a daily basis. I, I, I also want to um, say I found an organization that I can really do a lot of trial and error and it's a safe space. I think that that is also so great, especially for an up and coming professional like myself, you know, I think that's great. And I also just want to shout out that my organization is led by a team of amazing women and women in leadership. And so I just want to plug that because I think if it wasn't for those women and those women mentoring me and taking a chance on me, I don't know where I'd be. So I feel like when I... I think of success, you know, I found it and it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. You know what I mean? I, gosh, I, it could bring me to tears just because like these women have let me be on their shoulders so I could help other women, you know, succeed too. So I just think, um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy. And I, I do feel like I've, I found a level of success in my life now and who knows, right. Who knows what the future will bring, but it's, it's exciting. For sure. It is exciting. And I love to end on that note. Um, thank you so much for being on today. Um, you bring such a light into the world and such a happiness and you're not afraid to share it. And um, I'm just so happy you were able to do this today. Thank uh, you. For thank being you, on. Brody. Can I just say Brody is like also sharing a light with this podcast. I think it's great what you're doing. And I think, I think, um, I think a lot of people will find it informative and helpful as, as we navigate this crazy time. You know what I mean? So just thank you for, for what you're doing and, and providing a platform for people to come and share their stories and, and their, um, their professional path. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, thank you so much. And uh, thank you uh, everyone for listening today and until next time. See you later.